First question, did either of you watch the movie? Yes. <gasps> and watched it, Adam's Quiet. <laughs> I can tell by Adam's face he hasn't watched Which it. Which means he didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, he did. He watched it. I did watch it. Of course I did. Um, Welcome to episode three of Keeping On Track. I'm Bradley Williams and joining me today is my usual um, partner in crime, Adam Heath. Good, uh, good morning, Adam. Good morning. And today we are joined by special guest... Um, Angela Andrews, who is Angela? What's what's the official title? Is business? Um, it's head of business services. Head of business services on Track International. Now, and you've been at on Track for how long? Oh, eighteen years. Eighteen years. You get less than that for for certain crimes. I so know you you've would. Done, you've done well. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and Angela's joining us today to talk about stress, uh, which we feel is. A topic that, that, that seems to be quite prevalent at the moment and Angela comes into contact with this a lot with kind of two or three different hats on. One's HR, uh, the other the other are kind of in terms of products and services that we've been supplying and working on in regards to things like virtual classrooms and, and all sorts of things. But we're gonna we'll come round to that. And the, the the film today that we will be using as our base for this discussion is the Adam Sandler what do we call it? Epic. Uh, it's it's not an Adam Sandler movie. It's not no, an it's Adam Sandler. It's not. Yeah, it's not Mr. Good. Deeds, is it? It's um. It's very different. <laughs> it's a thriller, and it's called uh, Uncut Gems. You can catch it on Netflix at the moment. Obviously, as with every episode of Keeping on Track, I just want to give you a spoiler alert. We will be talking about the film in detail. So if you want to see the film fresh, we recommend watching that before you listen to the rest of this podcast. So Uncut Gems tells the story of Howard Ratner, who is a, a New York City jeweler, and he is possibly the most self-destructive human being on the face of the earth. He has uh, gambling addictions, he is um, neck deep in debt to um, his brother-in-law and some loan sharks. He borrows, begs, steals from different people. He barters. <laughs> he takes, he robs from Peter to give to Paul. And he has this uh, black opal that he's ordered um, months and months ago that he's waiting to arrive. And he believes that this black opal is going to be his answer to all of his worries and concerns. And it's going to be a massive cash um, for him, a, a, a massive payday for him. And the movie is essentially about a, a week in the life, or a week or so in the life of Howard, and he's just the chaos that <laughs> ensues in everything that he does. And it sounds quite comical, it is quite comical in places, but it is genuinely one of the most stressful films I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't watch it just before I went to bed because I, I don't think I'd have slept. <laughs> I have to say, I'm so glad my children were not in the house. That has to be the largest amount of Fs I've ever heard in one sitting. Brad well, we're going to come back Adam. to that. <laughs> Brad, 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 will tell you, Adam. I don't mind the odd F word. But my toes were absolutely curly. <laughs> I um, this is the first film I've watched, Brad, because you you sort of made a special request that I should make an effort to watch this one, and, and I did. <laughs> um, and and 
I don't know why you particularly wanted me to watch this one. The other ones, I think, I think you knew there was a chance I wasn't going to watch them. This yeah. one, um, what an experience. Wow. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, I, I didn't know uh, if you were going to get straight into the, the, the movie, because sometimes we chat for a bit and then we get into the movie. I was going to mm-hmm. remark that um, this 15 minutes of trying to get the audio working is as stressful as watching that movie was. <laughs> it was so stressful. It really was stressful. Well, that's good. Um, Adam, Adam and I are quite used to stress, as you are, I'm sure, Ange, as well. Yeah, I Nothing, quite like it. Yeah, and, and, and it's weird because the film itself almost plays as a little bit. I, I think there are certain um, more overt connotations towards basketball and, and things like that, that the film itself focuses around um howard and, and his relationship with with the, the game of basketball and, and things yeah. like that but but i think kind of from our side specifically i look at it sometimes i think this is what it feels like to do a big project sometimes you're just hanging on by you know your nails a lot of the time and you've got a thousand and one things to do and everything relies on the next thing landing and at any one point the whole thing can collapse and you sleepless nights and you're trying to cajole people into doing things and it's it's very much a everything seems from the outside to look quite calm and collected and calculated mm-hmm. but i think it is quite a chaotic experience i'm still recovering from the film <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's an it's an emotional experience in in a way that a lot of movies are not um i think even if i've seen a kind of stressful or action-packed um engaging film i've never felt my heart race quite as much as it did, did watching this um do you know what occurred to me really early on and i i hadn't i hadn't personally started to kind of compare it to the world we inhabit but but you're right what struck me really early on is uh is is the sound design of the movie mm-hmm. and i i can't remember it might have been 15 or 20 minutes in before i got my first pause it was just mm-hmm. wall-to-wall sound people talking at each other over each other sound effects background music tv shows all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I guess on reflection, that is what some of the big projects we work on are like. There is just volume. There's just noise coming at you from all directions. Um, and I found that a really kind of different experience watching this movie. Is is kind of my ears didn't really know where to settle. I was trying to pick up threads of all kinds of conversations and people and moments and uh, and yeah, that 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 is probably that's you know. I, Sometimes I think you might stretch some of your comparisons from movies to our, our real life experience, but that's but that is, that is maybe that's why the film really has struck me because that is what life is like. Mm. And I re- most movies don't show life. That that is what life is like. There is this cacophony of noise around us that we have to kind of try and navigate. Definitely, and and mm. and you you know a thing or two about it as well, right? Don't you? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So I think. Uh, it's quite a British trait to kind of deal with stress and just not let it show. And I think in the film, it was a very typical kind of New Yorker sort of uh, feel to how they talk, uh, usually over each other all the time and, you know, really loud and stressed. And and as, as Adam said, you know, you almost kind of needed to remember to breathe while you're watching it. Um, but yeah, I'd liken it very much to sometimes some of the challenges we we face at work, and we um, often, you know, launch ourselves into the challenge. But you've kind of got to keep uh, that kind of serene outlook um, to the client. Often, mm-hmm. um, 
that everything's going smoothly when you're actually trying to sort stuff out underneath. And I'm sure you experience that as well, probably on a shoot quite often, mm. where you think, oh gosh, we're running really late or, or something's gone wrong or technology's not working for us. Um, and and yeah, it, it does happen, but but as always in the movies, probably not to the extent that it happened in that film. Kevin! Hey, hey! How's the man in? I am! I am, Go, go to the other buzzer, please. Hurry up, hurry up. Right there. Go ahead. It's not working. God damn it. things that's interesting to me though is is to solve any individual crisis that um adam sandler's character is facing he, he takes a punt always to yeah. solve this crisis let's, let's take a punt and that perhaps doesn't come off so let's take another he's just constantly taking punts and taking gambles on things to try and fix his problems and actually uh there probably is space for that if i think about it on set we've we've taken gambles before but we've done things mm. to try and navigate a problem but actually sometimes our, our better response might have been to just step away for, for 10 minutes and build, build that pause into the situation to let ourselves think and, and pick the yeah. right way forward not just to kind of you know grab at something yeah um, go on answer yeah i was going to say you guys are so experienced at what you do and you've got past experience to kind of use and team that with your gut feel as well and you probably do manage to, in inverted commas, wing it sometimes and kind of pull it out of the bag. It is. It's a funny one because there, there's a, there's a moment in uh, Uncut Gems where he lends this opal to Kevin Garnett, the the, the guy who plays for the the Boston Celtics, and there's that two or three day period where he's he's lent the opal to kevin garnett because he wants to get business from kevin garnett but in the meantime he he's supposed to get the opal to adley's auction house so they can can apprise it for the auction that he's the the reason he's bought the opal is to put it at the auction and and i think that that to me that's that sums up one of one of the more common things that we do in in life is we have this long term goal and we're going towards it going towards it and then something comes along that's more of an immediate thing that we can do but also has a, then leads to a secondary long term goal and we have to make that decision of do we let that extra option go or do we take that gamble like you said and that punt to, to allow almost to, to then follow two paths at once. And I think that's one of the things that I find is, is leads to stress a hell of a lot is we're never just going from A to B. 
we're going from A to B, but then we have a C, and then we have an F, and then we have a G, and then G and A then have to come back to each other, and then D's interfered with F, and and mm. what happens is we go from having a a singular path to this to this sort of fractured web of 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 things that we need to do because we don't ever just have one job to do. Everything is there's always a thousand jobs, and they always become interlinked and and, and inter, intermingled with each other. And I'm and 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 I'm Ange, that that's something that probably that senior leaders kind of come into that sort of com- contact with that sort of thing a lot. Yeah, I think so, especially kind of in the current uh, climate that we're in, with you know majority of the world being in lockdown, senior managers and exec teams are pulling their hair out and knowing what to do next and also when you get kind of mixed messages from governments as to what's going to happen next they're trying to stay ahead of the game so and then obviously communicating that to their teams as well so in some respects they're having to take a punt as to what they should be doing next and that is stressful in itself you put on top of that homeworking managing a team, managing a team of stressed people as well. And you've got some seriously um, stressed senior managers and executives out there Mm. who are turning to the likes of On Track International Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, ask for some help. And executive coaching is just one of those things that we can offer. And what what would you say would be sort of some of the key takeaways in terms of stress management are we sort of because i think it's quite easy to say to people take some time out just do something for yourself but i think that at the same time once you're in knee deep in the mire it's it's sometimes very difficult to switch off right it's sometimes hard to just kind of say yeah you know i'm going to go and take a 15 minute walk or i mean it's different for us on a set because especially when we're working together you know adam can kind of say i need 10 minutes and disappear or i can sort of say can you just watch this while i just go and stretch my legs and get away from the situation but if you are if you're the only person, if the whole thing rests on you, that's probably a little bit more complicated, right? Yeah, it is. You're absolutely right. But I think most people have a network of of colleagues and friends and advisors that they can use. Um, so, you know, people that run businesses on their own uh, will have experts around them. So use those experts and have that person that you can go to and, and say, look, I'm really stressed here mm. and, you know, what can I do about it? And luckily, unlike the uh, Howard character in Uncut Gems, uh, stress tends to only happen in one area of your life at, at one point, uh, mm. luckily. Mm-hmm. So it could well be that work is kind of really stressful right now, but your home life is a little bit quieter. So you do have that release, that kind of natural release that's there. Yeah. Um, and then there's this also um, a model called the stress curve, which uh, visually kind of brings to life how stress can work for you as well as against you. Uh, And that's uh, that's a great little um, kind of visual aid that I use quite a bit. And so, with with regards to the stress curve, is there sort yeah. of is is it something where we there are like indicators or paths to follow, or is it very much yeah. about how does it how does it work? So it it highlights kind of where you work best, and where you work best is where you are experience experiencing some stress. Um, so that bit of stress. Um, will make you work harder. There's that saying, isn't there, that um, you should ask a busy person to do something for you because they'll get it done. And that's definitely the case. So stress um, 
will um, kind of drive you forward and make sure that you meet the deadlines that, that have been set. And that little bit of stress will probably leave you a little bit tired at the end of the day, um, but not overly tired, not the tired where you can't sleep. When you start getting into kind of the realms of exhaustion, that's when stress is kind of taking over. And once you're at that exhaustion stage, which, you know, I know a lot of people have been experiencing in lockdown where they can't sleep and they're worried about finances, they're worried about work, they're worried about family members, they're worried about health. Mm. When they start going into the exhaustion stage, then it's a real kind of, you've kind of gone over the bump of the hill and you're heading down the other side to stuff like anxiety and panic attacks and a complete breakdown. Mm. Um, so that, you know, we want to keep it kind of at the optimum level of stress where you've got some release, but, you know, there's a bit of pressure on you. Mm. And the flip side to that is um, kind of not enough stress in your life. It's the procrastination stage and you're a little bit inactive and you're laid back and you're not actually getting stuff done because you think, oh, do you know what? I've got ages to do that. Yeah. So, um, so that's just as bad for kind of um, performance as as the other end of the spectrum, where you know you're experiencing the anxiety. And, and it's, I suppose it's an interesting point, really, because you never really think about that side of it, because I think almost stress can come become a little bit like um, personal fitness. And if you're not used to being under stress or you're not used to experiencing immediacy or deadlines or needs for things, when those things suddenly come along and they come out of nowhere, they can feel 10 times more powerful and 10 times more stressful than if you were constantly dealing with them, right? I imagine yeah. that that because that, that's the thing as well, that these 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 courses around stress and stress management, they're not just aimed at senior leaders, are they? There's There's no. that sense as well of well, what about the every everyday person and, and how they deal with that? Because sometimes minor promotions or someone leaving, someone being sick, yeah. someone going on maternity, that, that workload then falls on someone else. And you can Absolutely. go from, from naught to 60. And I mean, Adam, you, you, you get this, right? You get this a lot. We sometimes, we might have a project that comes out of nowhere that's got to be done in two weeks. And I'm like, Ad, I need you to do this for me. And, you know, I know you've got 600 other things, but I need you to do this because we've got everything done in two weeks. And, and I, I probably find it hard to articulate how I cope um, without really, really thinking deeply about it. But I think... I'm struggling because I'm thinking about Uncut Gems, the movie we've watched, mm. and what I would have done different or what I would have advised how to do different. Right? <laughs> Everything. But, yeah. Well, you say that, but um, the thing that, that was, uh, and, and I've, I've sort of already alluded to it earlier, that, that, that perhaps would help is, is some sort of focus on an individual thing that you can control. There is a kind of... There is a need to divide up your thinking a little bit between the things you can influence and the things perhaps you can't. And, and that's okay that there are things you can't influence, but the things you can influence, how can you influence them? Um, and yeah, those, those kind of moments where you've come with, with a project that needs to be done super, super fast, we, we, we can't influence the fact that it needs to be done. So what can we influence? How can we kind of navigate and set things up to, to give ourselves the space to think about and do that work? Um, and, 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 and I guess me and you sitting on a call for 20 minutes um, bemoaning the fact that the project needs to be done quickly doesn't, doesn't help us. So there's no mm. point. There's the, we, we can't influence the timeline, the reality of that project. Yeah. Um, and and 
when I was watching Uncut Gems, I so desperately wanted Howard to, to take control of the things he could influence. Mm-hmm. So it sounds so trivial when you see the film and see the chaos of the film, but I just wanted him to sort his home life out. The reality is <laughs> yeah. the family was, was finished. The relationship was finished. He had a, a, a mistress uh, who I I think his wife knew about. Like, yeah. Unless yeah. I misunderstood. Yeah, must have done. Yeah, yeah. must have yeah. done. So, yeah. Let's let's get it let's get it done. Let's get it all nicely tied up. They kind of had a, a rough plan, but yeah, the the, the the family understood it was it was it was kind of at the end, you know. And certainly the relationship between him and his wife, they they both knew they had a plan. We're going to separate after X period after this yeah. upcoming mm. whatever it was. Just get it done. And and that sounds cold maybe, but for me, I'm like, if you can control that part of your life. Bring a little yeah. bit of order there, and that's yeah. the start. Um, and and, I, and that I think is, is the same for me. I, I often try and sit back and look at what what can I control? Where can I put a little bit of structure mm-hmm. to then free up some kind of mental space somewhere else? Yeah, because that's the thing is, is sometimes we can be our own our own worst enemy, can't we? Right? And, and and let's use Howard as an example. Okay, so he's got things he can control. So for example, he's he's been cheating on his wife. He's got this mistress in in Julia. Um, so like you say, that marriage is gone. So even just the things like when he takes that he goes to the apartment to see if she's left when he breaks up with Julia and he has to take his son and then he has that stressful exchange where he's trying to find a, a neighbour in that tenancy to kind of let him use the toilet so he can then go in the apartment and check she's not there. Let, just take the son into the apartment and let him wait. If the mistress is in there, she's in there. There's no secret, right? So there's that side of it. Then there are things like with Damani, the guy who he borrows the fake Rolex watches, uh, the fake watches off of. I don't know, they're not Rolex, are they? But the fake watches and he keeps giving those to people as as oh here's a ten thousand dollar watch let me give you that to tide me over and i'll buy that back off you and then you think well why the hell would you give away watches that aren't yours that you know somebody at some point is going to want back that you can't afford to buy but it's kind of he just gets into this process of trying to solve an immediate problem (laughs) you know what's weird as well brady he seems like he has a reasonably successful jewellery business. Right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's busy. He's got yeah. clients. People want to come there. What's wrong with just running that business really well and just making some money? And, and, and I think that's the the beauty of the film as well, because even just the little moments, like those tr- those strange little twins that keep following him around, tell him that, that, that he owes them money, or the guy that he gives the... Um, the, the is it the Lakers or the Knicks ring that he goes and because he he gets yeah. a Celtics ring doesn't he and that he gets off of Kevin Garnett but he also has a Lakers ring or something oh. he goes and pawns that with that guy and you think why would you do that and, and 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 all those stupid little things and then the whole thing underneath it all is that he owes his brother-in-law a hundred thousand dollars which he's borrowed to pay for this opal and <laughs> and and you just think man like the whole thing is just he puts himself in positions where he creates stress for himself outside of the stress that he's already under however that said that that is a character right there who i think is defined by by that lifestyle you know yeah, it, would almost, it, it would yeah. almost kill him to not be under that kind of pressure and that kind of living. he wouldn't know any different would he right but it kind of made sense that that, that is the, the way his life was it was kind of dynamic and fast-paced and chaotic um, and, and he kind of couldn't have existed any other way it would have been a very different kind of life for him if he if he tried to be any different yeah. 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 I think if I'd have been Adam, uh, not Adam, uh, if I'd have been Howard, um he so needed someone just to be honest with him and just sat him down and good what are you doing? Let's sort it out. He needed he needed someone to mentor him really. Mm. That's what at the end of the day I thought, god, just someone be honest with him. <laughs> 
and and I, I guess because that's the weird thing because his dad could have provided that mentor role, yeah, right? He could, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of no. treats him as a he's he's like not a failure, but almost this kind of um, albatross around his neck. He's this sort of yeah. you know, you're a bad luck child, Howard. Just just get away. You're bad for this family and and things yeah. like that. But the bit yeah. where um, at the auction where he says to his dad, "I want you to bid it up," so that <laughs> yeah. if, why didn't his dad say at that point, "I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to do that," <laughs> rather than facilitate the chaos yes, even further? I it know. Did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a strange one. But the, but that is the thing as well. Is as, as I think that you know we're lucky if we're naturally surrounded by other people that allow us. That take the pressure out of us a little bit. There are sounding boards. They can provide mentoring, or you know, they, mm. there's, there's, we, we're lucky if we have that. And 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 I guess there are people out there that don't have that, or feel they don't have that, or they maybe even see it as a sign of weakness to kind of vent to somebody else. But but I think that that is a real necessary evil when it comes to stress management. Do you, do you yeah. agree? Yeah, totally. And I think that stigma around mental health and stress and anxiety is being broken down Mm. by all the good work that's being done out there by MIND and other organisations and charities. Um, And I think people are now talking about stress and anxiety a lot more than they were. And that's a great thing. And as you say, if people don't have someone they can lean on, maybe in a work environment, then look to um, you know social media where there's lots of people who can link you up with someone who can act as a coach or a mentor. Mm. Um, so I think it's worth doing if you feel quite isolated and alone. There are, I suppose there are people who are worried a little bit as well about the perception of that in terms of, oh, I'm suffering from some form of anxiety or I'm having a bit of a existential crisis or the stress has kind of burnt me out and that Mm. is a sign of weakness or that I'm going to be tarred with that brush of, well, he or she is, or they have have, have kind of provided an example where they, they have a level. There's only so much they can take and by exposing your, your your underside a little bit exposing your belly and, and and showing yourself in such a vulnerable fashion that you've you've essentially put a na- a, a ceiling on your career path and so mm-hmm. within an organization people will perceive you in a certain way but i don't know if that's a thing anymore i may i mean maybe in you know 20 30 years ago and and beyond maybe that was a thing but i can't i can't see that now as as something that necessarily is a stigma that some that many people go through maybe maybe it is maybe i'm i'm blind blinkered because of the world i work in but i mean in a creative environment if someone if someone blows their top right everyone's kind of like well that's just that's the creative process that person's having a bad day they've screamed (laughs) and shouted that's it you know but but i don't know what what are your thoughts Ange? do you kind of see it differently or is it there is is there a kind of sense of that change in the air definitely yeah i definitely think there's a change in the air and i think this lockdown has maybe helped with that as well so since we've been in lockdown the office of national statistics i can never say that word statistics statistics have undergone a survey 
And they've said that now two-thirds of adults, those between the age of 16 and 69, mm -hmm. are most affected by stress and anxiety. Right. And they can't see kind of a clear pathway to the future right now. Um, and, uh, you know, because of probably what's happening in lockdown. But um, so it's not, it's not a thing where it's a minority anymore that are dealing with stress and anxiety mm. as i say two-thirds of adults are dealing with that sort of feeling so i think it's more becoming the norm now that you might experience maybe short-term stress or anxiety mm. um that you can actually overcome and and manage and mental health isn't just about poor mental health it's about all of your mental health whether you've got good mental health or poor mental health mm. and we should be looking after that as much as we can the physical yeah, and I think we also owe each other that debt of 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 um, a service in terms of keeping an eye out for each other, right? Because yeah. there are certain things that are maybe kind of deeper and darker topics that that we won't necessarily go into here. I don't know if it's a platform for it, but there <laughs> are you know, stress can lead to some very catastrophic outcomes. And you know, I was I was in the police for for eight years, and and we lost a couple of of colleagues to stress. Wow. Um, and I can imagine that that's something that is potentially on the rise at the moment. I don't know. Like you say, stress is becoming a, a more of a common occurrence, but people are also more willing to talk about it. So hopefully with the outlet and with that awareness and with that, the mental health um, concerns that we are now showing as a society, hopefully that's that's a problem or a situation that can be dealt with more readily but um I, d I do think that obviously anybody that is in a situation where they are feeling um overly stressed or where they feel like they're kind of hitting a wall and they can't see an out they can't see a rare like they should be speaking to somebody that they're that they, they should be opening up to people and sharing that burden because i think that's the only way to to get past that um and i know that none of us are health professionals but i know and you you've, you've obviously had a lot of experience with dealing with these things and, and a lot of research and, and study has gone into developing these courses and these materials and i know that that's a sentiment that that you will echo um yeah. but but it's definitely something that we we we, sh we should definitely be aware of as, as we were chatting about um uh you know, mental health and, and the stresses we face. Uh, and I was thinking, we, we have this this joke constantly, Brad, I don't really watch movies, and I, it was a struggle for me to watch it because I don't, I don't watch films. But I watch making-of documentaries, behind-the-scenes documentaries. Um, and I haven't dug into this film at all yet. I have no idea about the, the background, the history. But I'm already thinking, I'm fascinated to know why. How, how and why has this come to exist, this film? Yeah. Who, how, how was it written? Why was it written? What was the kind of thought process? Is it in some way a, a reflection of the times we live in? I, I guess it is. All movies are to some extent, but in, isn't it? Is there something in that, that that this was the time for that movie to get made to examine the kind of pressures of of life, the stresses, uh, the, the mental health issues, um, that culture maybe of of taking those gambles to try and solve you know always hoping for the next thing to solve your your problems rather than actually addressing your problems i just mm -hmm. i just wonder if there is yeah it seems the right kind of film for the time we're living in that this is kind of speaking to the world and the culture that we are at part of at the moment 
Well, it's interesting you bring that up because, um, you know, uh, being a font of all knowledge in these things, uh, I listened to a podcast a few months <laughs> ago by A24, the company that helped produce and release this film. And it was between the Safdie brothers and one of my favourites, Paul Thomas Anderson, the director of Phantom Fred and There Will Be Blood, Boogie Nights. And in it, they talked about the origins of this story because this film took them like 10 years, 15 years to, no to write. Yeah, God. yeah, they spent a long time on it. And um, their dad was a fishmonger. And the, 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 the scene in the film where the opal comes inside that giant, I think it's a tuna or I can't remember what fish it is yeah. now, but it yeah. comes inside. And he said that there, there was always this running joke that the mafia used to hide drugs inside fish. And that's how they would transport drugs in and out of, the, of New York City. And, um, and that was the genesis for the film. Basically, what would happen if you were transporting something within a fish? Uh, and, and I'm probably diminishing the story a little bit. And I implore you to, to go and look it up if you, if you get a chance. It's, it's the A24 uh, document pod, podcast series. Um, but they talk about that. And there was, another thing they talked about was the fact that in the movie there were scenes where they didn't think it was stressful enough. Really? So, so they would film, once they got to post-production, they would go into ADR, which is like an additional audio recording, and um, they would start to um, get additional recording done by, um, by other cast members, by other people. So they would call Adam Sandler back in or they'd call someone else and say, in the back, can you just say these lines? And they would just give, give them lines to say and they wow. would add that in. So then they would use audio to layer the stress, which is interesting because of what you said, Adam, about the, the 15 minutes and your ears being so busy. But that was kind of one of the things they did as well. So mm. that, you know, that's quite an interesting kind of concept of uh, you know we we failed to make it stressful enough so we've got to go and do this but i think that also speaks to our craft is is the fact that in filmmaking it's not always it's not done once it's in the can it's not finished you know oh, and, and the post-production is a whole new filmmaking process and you could never have filmed that like that, that yeah, i was yeah. thinking well, as, I, as, I was, as i was watching i was thinking that you could never film this like this it would have been so quiet on set it, it would have been bizarre actually to be there with waving the camera around following adam sandler in silence but that is what it would have been really yeah. would, wow would, i did wonder yeah. as a complete someone who doesn't know anything about film i did keep thinking how the hell did they film those scenes where everybody was talking over each other? <laughs> like, if someone had got it wrong, did they have to start again? You know, did they have yeah. to do another take? Yeah. It was. And there probably would have been elements of that. There would have been small sections where that was definitely the case. It was like an ensemble piece and they all had to get their part right. But then right. certainly what you see in the finished film is a mile apart, I imagine, from what was yeah, actually filmed. Right. And they built so it up gradually. What you're saying is then it's a bit of an editing genius almost. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, right. the, the, the guy, Arno, the brother-in-law, so I don't know if you remember, but there's a scene when he goes to watch his, uh, Adam Sandler goes to watch his daughter's play and he gets yes. a text message and the two of the loan sharks are sitting in the, in the, behind him. So he goes out, he has a bit of a tussle with them, they chase <laughs> him out of the school and they get him in the car and one of them's got him in a chokehold and he's saying, where's my money? And Arno's kind of saying, where's my money? Where's my money? And the guy that plays him, um, Eric, Eric Bogusian or Bogusian, I can't pronounce his surname, um, he, he found it really stressful to film because he said everyone was talking and he was missing his cues. And to right. the point where he was like, can you guys like, 
if he calmed down and, and he's screaming and shouting at everyone and they said they had to send him off and say right go have a little walk come back and he said like, <laughs> I can't get my cues I can't get my audio cues I don't know when I'm supposed to speak I'm really stressed out and they said right when that guy says this then you can talk and and he kept doing it and in the end he just was like shut up everyone shut and that's the scene that's in the film where he's screaming and shouting at him telling oh, him to right. shut up was because he genuinely couldn't figure out the scene because he couldn't hear what was going on <laughs> and so you get those happy accidents as well right that, that yeah. happen in filmmaking um and i think that that kind of sums up stress quite well sometimes we we want to just scream and shout at people <laughs> and sometimes like... it works yeah. by the sounds of it <laughs> Talk about art imitating life. I'm, yeah. I'm getting stressed listening to how they got stressed <laughs> making a film about a stressful situation. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. How, how they didn't all come out with an ulcer or something, or oh, you know, you with imagine. health issues. Oh dear. But it was a great <laughs> film, and 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 the Safdie brothers did another film before that called Good Times with um, Robert Pattinson in, which is about another kind of like an amateur crook type situation. So you know, if you enjoyed that, it's definitely worth giving that one of you as well. Um, but um but yeah so Ange, thank you so much for joining us no, today i know we've only you. scratched the surface of it but hopefully given people an insight into to what it is you've been working on and and talking about and uh, i really appreciate it. and you're welcome to join us anytime and we'll see if we can find you a less stressful film next time <laughs> yeah maybe but no thank you for the opportunity i i did in a strange way enjoy it <laughs> good <laughs> This is the one and only kind of regular format point of our show where we get the Brad Williams score out of five, out of five stars for the movie. Do you know what? I'm not going to go full on five, but I'm going to go four and a half. Ooh. Four and a half. Okay. Because I think a good film isn't just a film that you enjoy. A good film is a film that gives you something to talk about, gives you something mm-hmm. to think about. It stays with you. And I think the Uncut Gems is one of those films where you'd be hard-pressed to watch it and write it off. This is the sort of mm-hmm. film that's going to follow you around for days. You're going to talk to people about it. It's going to stick in your mind. Um, it's a well, really well-made film. I think it's the craft on show is spectacular. Yes, it's a bit pretentious in places, but sometimes art's allowed to be pretentious. Um, and I just think Adam Sander is just unreal. He's a force of nature in that film. And so... For me, I would say if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you've watched it, watch it again because I've seen it four times now and I find something different every time to enjoy about it. Um, So, yeah, four out of five for me. So which puts that at the top of our leaderboard, doesn't it? We've got, it's above, it's uh, Uncut Gems, Contagion and then down there at the bottom is uh, Enter the Dragon. (laughs) That's where we're at so far. But, um, But yeah, so Adam, any closing thoughts or sentiments from you? on stress or uncut gems um yeah i don't know whether to thank you or bemoan the fact that you made me watch that movie because it's had <laughs> two different kind of impacts on me um but but no it's a, it's a stunning piece of filmmaking and uh, like i said right at the start it, it's an experience and i i don't know that there's that many movies you would call an experience a physical mm. experience and an emotional experience they might be a great story they might be action-packed all these other things they might pose some interesting questions that you go away thinking about, but to me, this was a, an experience that has, you know, hit me for sure, almost physically as much as emotionally. Definitely. And if you watch the film and you think, "Wow, this is just like my life," then you need to pick up the phone and speak to Angela because she's got oh, she's got some things to talk to you about. <laughs> 
thank you. Well, thank you both very much. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Till next time.